Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a sports nutrition professor of about 20 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Uh, this is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild, a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and I'm back from vacation. So. Right on. Hi, Dr. Mike T. Nelson, Associate Professor of the Kerrig Institute, creator of the Flex Diet Cert, and still in Minnesota. Still in Minnesota. Yep. It's, uh, not bad. It's 11 above this morning. Not not there windy, so walk wasn't too bad. Oh, yeah. See, you're, you're much colder than even we are here in Ohio. Um, all right, folks. We are going to talk uh, after the break about top three, let's say, must-see uh, locations for 2021 once, once things start to normalize, I guess, um, vaccinations and everything else. So this could be a permanent you know, brick-and-mortar location that we really think you, you might want to see. Maybe it's um, an event that really will help inform you, you know, about the landscape of muscle and strength gains and sports and that sort of thing. Um, first, just a little bit of uh, news here. One is the traditional nutrition science thing. The other is completely different. Um, I had, uh, Mike and I were discussing uh, a couple of things in the past two weeks, and I had made some comments about modern day bodybuilding. And, you know, we were talking about all the different categories now. There's classic physique and 212 at the Olympia. And, you know, with amateurs, there's classic. And if you look at the, um, Women's categories, gosh, there's just so many. Figure, bikini, fitness, yeah. wellness. wellness. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking, now again, not being right up to the minute on this stuff, how does one compete in wellness? Um, <laughs> but okay, you know. So anyway, I had made some comments about it. And um, Lee Haney just came out and made some comments about modern-day bodybuilding, and I thought we could sort of – compare and contrast what he was saying versus what Mike and I were discussing. Uh, but first, let's get the, the science news out of the way here. Strength and muscle sport news. This is about stevia. So if you're like me, you do use stevia occasionally. Uh, I've It's been a long time since I've made a wholesale switch away from the blue stuff, from equal. Um not that it's necessarily horrific in any way, but, you know, I just don't like overexposure to any one thing. So I kind of went to sucralose, right, Splenda, and then stevia is my most recent thing, just the past maybe two years or so, three years. Uh, 
So this says, um, natural sugar alternative stevia may cause gut bacteria imbalances. This is written by Annie Lennon through labroots.com. And she got it, let's see, from, I think, medicalnewstoday.com. Just to try to uh, do uh, proper attribution here. Now, I'm going to set the stage with this by saying, Mike and I have already discussed in the past quite a bit on how artificial sweeteners can cause some problems with your microbiome. Um, what's interesting about this one is it's not just the pink stuff, right? It's not just the blue stuff or the yellow stuff. This is now stevia being added to the list. And when you think about it, it's not that odd, really, that you know, you, you're getting these neural signals of intensely sweet tastes and everything, and then your blood sugar doesn't change, you know, your gut bacteria don't get the sugar that maybe they were expecting, if you will. Uh, and some, you know, weird things happen. You, maybe you can't have your cake and eat it too, but... So it says um, artificial sweeteners, right, or non-nutritive sweeteners have been had increasing use, uh, including stevia, which is a natural sweetener. There is, however, still some debate whether these alternatives are necessarily healthier than sugar. Now researchers from Ben Gurion University in Israel have found that stevia may cause a microbial imbalance in the gut. Hmm. So they talk about uh, stevia being derived from the leaves of stevia robotiana, if I'm pronouncing that properly, uh, from Brazil and Paraguay. It says between 200 and 300 times sweeter than sugar, it has practically no calories and thus is considered a healthy sweetener. I mean, imagine everybody avoiding carbs, right? So uh, it says, however, the healthy part may not necessarily be the case. Uh, in this study, researchers investigated the effects of different strains of stevia on the gut microbiome. They looked at a commercially available stevia supplement. And in doing so, they found that while the sweetener did not kill off bacteria, it tended to inhibit certain microbial communication pathways. Meanwhile, in testing purified stevia extracts, they found that the sweetener may have interrupted gram-negative bacterial communication. So it's not killing off the helpful, right, diverse gut biome. And we've had whole episodes about this in the past. We've interviewed people about it in the past. But it could interrupt the way that they communicate with each other and arguably, I suppose, the rest of your body. So I don't know if there is at this point... Uh, a great alternative, except just trying to like things that are less sickly sweet. Uh, we had Anthony Almada on, and I did a quick fire with him. I remember I said sugar or artificial sweeteners, and he just said sugar. You know, just rather just have a little bit of sugar. Um, Mike, what do you think about this? Anything about a gut microbiome and artificial mm. sweeteners? Yeah, I didn't read that study yet, but it sounds like it might be an in vitro study, but I'd have to look. So it like all studies, it depends on the amount and, you know, what was the study set up and what did they do and and also what are you replacing. So if you're replacing uh, or Mountain Dews with some Stevia, it's probably better. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it also goes back to we had Dr. Sarah Campbell on here. and Sarah, uh, right. What is a normal gut microbiome? <laughs> I don't doubt that there's going to be changes, but all sorts of stuff changes it, you know, travel changes it, uh, what you consume changes it. So, you know, in, in theory, you could, like you said, might be some miscommunication because your brain's saying, ooh, sweet stuff, ooh, must be carbohydrates coming. Ooh, wait, no carbohydrates, what happened? 
Yeah. But that doesn't guarantee it's going to be a negative either. So I I generally don't get super worried about it. But, you know, if someone is sucking down like eight cans of tab a day, then they probably have other issues they need to worry about too. Yeah. Um, there was an episode, if anybody's interested, you can check out Science Friday. This was a couple of years ago. I think it was called Artificial Sweeteners Sour the Microbiome. And that's what they were talking about. In fact, that's one of the things that turned me on to a lot of this. And as Mike and I are also pointing out, there's also there's that. And there's also a more system-wide issue with screwing with sort of neural communication between your gut and your pancreas and, and you know brain and hypothalamus and that sort of thing. Uh, so... Yeah, I suppose the best answer is just try to not be so dependent on things that are grotesquely sweet. But like you, Mike, I'll have occasional uh, diet pop, you know, something like that. I don't remember the last time I drank full sugar pop, like cola or something like that. I don't drink a lot of it anyway. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I still think damage control wise, I'd rather have some slight miscommunication between the bacteria in my intestine, large intestine, than... uh, I don't know, chug down 100 grams of high fructose corn syrup. Um, yeah, and usually for most of our audience, like they're probably getting it in you know, possibly some pre-workouts and maybe protein powders and, you know, the amount, like if you look at sucralose, which again is different than stevia, the yeah. amount you use even in just 40 grams of a protein powder is super small too. So it's, yeah, yeah. I've had a, not any current clients, but I've had a few clients in the past, like five years ago, who one guy in particular got in this big debate about there wasn't really any natural, quote unquote, uh, protein products at that time, unless you just got the raw powder without any flavoring. And so he was debating with that, oh, because of all the other things, it's going to be bad for your gut and the artificial flavors and everything else. And I'm like, you're eating 40 grams of protein a day. Like, just if, if that's the thing, then, you know. Get some dead animals and cook them instead. But yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I don't know, Phil. What about Strength Guild or the people who you work with? Do you run into artificial sweeteners a lot, or are are you just not having people focus on that stuff? Or how how do you go about that? Yeah, I think the, the the main thing we run into is some people, like Mike was saying, with their protein powders and things like that. But I don't. We don't have a ton of people. I think that. Yeah. It's just there's not a lot of soda being drank. Uh, a lot of water <laughs> right as it should be Water's good. I go through a lot of friggin water because I supply the water but uh, yeah no I mean I don't have to deal with a bunch of questions about that I mean we'll have some here but I don't I don't know I'm also dealing with generally a more uh, mature population that's kind of been in this game a while and so you kind of run through the gamut of the usual stuff that everybody goes through in their first five years yeah. as far as training and nutrition. So. Yeah, yeah. I think with the popularity of keto diets and stuff, I can see people leaning a little heavier on some of the non-nutritive sweeteners and whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah, you can find fault with everything, you know, um, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I brought this up at all was because when I saw it, I'm like, well, add this one to the list because I thought maybe this is the outlier because I've, I've heard that saccharin, you know, the pink stuff uh, – being the worst aspartame also problematic sucralose maybe i had never heard anything about stevia so now literally every uh, all of the most popular artificial sweeteners i don't know about ace k i'd have to look into that a little bit but which tastes kind of funny to me but yeah they've all got that when they use in a lot of really heinous supplements because it's a 
pretty good flavor masker too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's a little something of artificial sweeteners for everybody. This next one very different from my usual fare, but it just came out like December 29th of this year, so just happened. Um, this is by Kevin Gretsch. It looks like uh, EvolutionBodybuilding.net. It was just an interview with Lee Haney, so I thought I would look at this. Eight-time Mr. Olympia Lee Haney, critical of the modern-day bodybuilder. Uh, in his latest interview with London Real, R-E-A-L, eight-times Mr. Olympia Lee Haney was very critical of the training and nutritional methods of modern-day bodybuilders. So I took, a, I took a look at this, and it talks about his history and his first competitions and whatnot, how it was a different era. In fact, here's a quote. He says, uh, it was during an era where there was very little information out there, Haney explained. During that time, the magazines mainly consisted of training and nutrition. It wasn't as commercialized as you see them now. Now, I think maybe he's romanticizing there. Let me give a little sidebar. Things, <laughs> things were commercialized then, too. I learned a lot of what I know about nutrition, at least early stage stuff, from those same magazines. But they all degraded into an ad for a weeder product, you know, um, or almost all of them. So it was really hard to, to tease those things apart. I think it was always commercialized. I would agree with him, though, 100%. And let's face it, I'm not a Mr. Olympia. <laughs> so Maybe my opinion doesn't matter. But at the time, there wasn't as many. Like, you know, everything is so commoditized and commercialized now um, over the decades, you know, that there's just a bigger mess. Although I will say that when you look at bodybuilding show sponsors and things like that, you don't see the huge list of quote-unquote nutrition companies, Right, that used to be there. Uh, you you do get a lot of the usual sponsors like ProTan and Jantana and all these different kinds of uh, products. But the era of bodybuilding sports supplements, I don't know if it's just diversified to such an extent that there are one million little guys in the market. But you just don't see the huge players that you used to all the time. You know, there are companies like EAS that went mainstream uh, and then bought up by Abbott, right? And then, I don't know, uh, some companies just sort of died off like Pinnacle. Uh, there are companies like Metrex, and I still I don't see them uh, sponsoring bodybuilding as much as they used to. Though That heyday seems to have gone. Um, yeah, I think it's, they've realized that even going to the Arnold two years ago, like some of the biggest lines that I saw were for people I had no idea who they even were. <laughs> Uh-huh. It just seemed like it was, yeah, it's still focused on, you know, fitness and bodybuilding, but it's much more of, I don't even want to say consumer crowd, I guess. It just seems like it's uh, social media influencers and people who, you know, can sell a lot of product. And that doesn't always necessarily mean they're one of the top athletes either. Yeah. Well, and let's face it, I would argue that the social media influencers aren't always the people I'd be listening to either. You know, I'm not saying that's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hear yeah. you. Um, in fact, the whole fact that th th there's a term, social media influencer, I do roll my eyes a little bit. But that's, yeah. I mean, I'm antisocial with that kind of stuff. Um, but We're just old farts. Old farts. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of things more that, uh, about Lee Haney here. It says, Lee's now passionate about pointing the younger generation in the right direction to teach them how to train in a way that won't destroy their bodies. 
some professional athletes don't know when to quit, destroying their body, trying to stay on top. Uh, Lee believes it's best to take care of your body so you can have a future of good health. And then here's some quotes. We're finite creatures. We're not going to live forever, uh, Haney said. If we can use what we accomplished over the span of our lifetime as a competitor to impact the life of other young athletes, other people, then man, what a thrill. Uh, and he goes on to say, but also letting them know, too, that this doesn't have to, uh, that this doesn't last forever. And that you need to do it in such a way that you don't destroy your physical body. At the end of the day, you still want to be functional. You want to enjoy your grandkids as I am. So just quotes from Lee Haney there. Um, Interestingly, he he had made some comments about um, what guys look like now. Um, and, And I thought this was interesting. He was saying that essentially back in the day, even through Dorian Yates... Uh, things were still proportioned physique-wise. Um, Dorian was larger, for example, but his physique still had symmetry and balance and hardness. Um, he says, that's what you don't see now, Haney added. You see guys, quote, with little calves and big thighs. You see a guy with huge shoulders but a narrow width or a guy with high lats because the ability and the tools and the knowledge to develop a complete physique are not there in the training principles that we adhere to growing up. Totally different. Hmm. So that's really interesting. Again, because um, Mike and I were just sort of lamenting about this, or maybe I was mostly <laughs> about <laughs> guys are just, you know, they're so massive. You slap enough mass on a human body and everything starts to look more similar than it used to, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they don't have that ridiculous hardness at least not in the same way that they used to um i i don't know so it was interesting that lee haney i feel like he's backing me up here a little bit because you know another different generation guy talking about the modern era of bodybuilding uh we did lose a subscriber <laughs> after that discussion i wondered if it was a bodybuilding passionate person is like oh lowry's just down on this and he doesn't understand all these classes and he's sort of critical of of what's going on these days, and that's why he's not, you know, following it as closely. Now, it could have been for a completely different reason, you know, right? I don't want to go down some fantastical path, but I do notice that kind of stuff, and I wonder, you know, like it's not that I hate bodybuilding; I love it. Uh, that's, but that's the whole thing: is where has it gone? And it, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just, I don't have that level of minutia, you know, fascination. Uh, I suppose that I used to when I look at the top competitors in the Mr. Olympia, I actually rather watch. I think where a lot of the action is, is at the national level, you know, guys that are hungry to turn pro. That's the, to me, a lot of the, the fascinating stuff, but yeah, I mean, I used to follow bodybuilding a a lot more closely than what I have probably last five years, at least at the elite or top level. But I mean, I remember seeing Dorian when he first came out, was it night of champions? I can't even remember. And I was like, what the hell is that? Yes. <laughs> is that? And I'm like, okay, this is the apex. Like, no one's going beyond this. This is, like, going to stay forever. And then it's different now. But, you know, there's, you know, competitors now that make him look smaller, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was the Munich Pro Show. There's a YouTube video. And to this day, I watched that with Dorian. And I think this what you just did, Mike. You can't – how can you surpass that? It is a yeah. freak show. I mean, 
but he also had the separation and the hardness with that much size, you know, just monstrous. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Phil, do you have any thoughts? Or I, I know you're more on the powerlifting side of things. Do those guys even keep tr- track of um, modern bodybuilding and stuff or just not so much? No, not so much at all. I mean, it's kind of just gone from where it used to be. I mean, not there's not as many people following at all, as in, in my opinion. I know we've had people come on and say that bodybuilding is as big as it ever was and this and that. I'm not buying it. It's just not. I mean, for God's sakes, there was a time where like Arnold made movies and stuff after becoming just a bodybuilder. Most people don't know who. If I went out and asked 500 people on the street today who won the Olympia, they, I would be amazed to get one answer me. So, no, I, I understand what you're saying for sure. Even probably in a gym. Like I could go to the local crunch or whatever it is. I'm like, hey, guess who just won the Olympia? Oh, <laughs> they wouldn't know. I mean, it's, that's talking narrowing down the audience to people who are into fitness. So, right. Yeah. yeah. I think at some point you just, there's almost, unless you're into it as a sport, you just can't begin to even relate to it. Yeah. Um, which is crazy because Strongman is much more popular now, which you could argue, I don't know how anyone can relate to picking up a 400 pound stone, but they know what a 400 pound stone is. Yeah. And they can look at it and go, yeah, that's hard. That's crazy. You yeah. know, they look at a competition now and they're like, that's just all crazy. I can't tell any difference between yeah. this crazy or that crazy. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. For me, it's just the lack of um, difference from body to body. You know, there was short and tall and the Tom Platts with the big legs and, you know, somebody with a crazy back or, you know, Arnold's freaky peak on his biceps or there's all these different things. And yeah, now a lot of the guys, they just look so similar uh, and they're so massive, yeah, they just don't have that an element of sharpness, I guess. Maybe it's impossible when your muscles are that hypertrophied. Uh, and that and that's why when I say technology has in many ways ruined the sport is we've escalated to a point, and I mean pharmaceutical technology, that, you know, there's the, the quest for size is over, kind of, because, you know, if you have unlimited access and the person telling you what to take, you can essentially be so, so massive you can barely function. Well, yeah. I don't know. Then that quest for size, and Mike and I were talking about this, but that's what's fun about the, I think, a lot of the amateur stuff is they're limited in what they're willing to do or what they're able to obtain. And, or afford. Or afford. And that that's a limiter that still it still leaves the quest for size open. And so in doing so, they're still trying to be bigger and harder, but there's some variety in the physiques and, and that kind of stuff. So to me, it's just becomes more interesting, um, to watch. I, I don't know about, yeah, yeah, there's no doubt that someone like a Frank Zane is more attainable. You know, the guy was like, you know, one nineties in shape. Um, obviously not one of the bigger guys or even like Lee Labrada, um, and guys like that. Um, I'm not sure they were necessarily attainable, you know, but they were, those physiques are desirable, I guess. And I mean, the current top guys are all so massive. Yeah. I don't even know if it's actually even desirable. When I look at, to fill your point about there's, I just don't buy it, you know, cause you're, it's true. If you talk to the bodybuilding show promoters, you're like, listen, we have more entrants than ever before. You know, we have, it's yeah. more popular than ever. But like, I can tell you from like, like in an exercise science 
student body, any four-year group, there's usually one or two physique-interested people. Uh, and I think it was higher than that before. I mean, like, you're right about, like, when Stallone and Arnold are all over the action movies, yeah. um, bodybuilding was part of pop culture more. And now things are just more performance-oriented, I guess. So, Yeah, and there's just not that many characters or differences i mean you go back a few decades and you had arnold you had franco you had zane you had you know competitors that looked completely different from one another and now they all kind of look the same which yeah yeah i don't know yeah it's hard to pick your favorite when everybody is and, you know, it's a lot of people would be like, that's unfair. These guys don't all look the same. Well, I would argue they look more similar to each other. More similar. Right, than in, in decades past. Um, yeah, because, again, they're just all so hypertrophied, wildly hypertrophied kind of thing. But So, yeah, I tend to agree with Lee Haney about this. Now, there, to be fair, though, like I said, I, maybe he's romanticizing the older era. I think things were always commercialized. I think that there were always differences like somebody with higher lats or they didn't have calves or that kind of stuff. But if there's anything I think that irks me the most is that you get these guys with gigantic chests and shoulders, maybe arms, but they're, they're, they have non-existent calves. And to me, that's an incomplete physique. If I was a judge, uh, I would not be putting those guys in the, in the top spot. You know, I mean... There's got to be some balance, I suppose. I'd like to get a judge on sometime because apparently there's new streamlined judging criteria and things like that. Uh, just to understand it a little bit better, you know, because even 10 years ago, God, it's been almost 10 years since I competed. That's hard to believe because I did it during the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, but um, yeah, you know, the high throw out the high score and the low score. And but even then, there were a lot of judges. They could they just dig the style of your physique. Because again, at the at the national qualifier level, I was never at the national level for God's sake. But there was differences, you know. And if they like a balanced, classic kind of physique, they might go for you. If there's somebody who's all about huge pecs and arms, and they're willing to overlook weak calves, they might place that kind of person over you, you know, in the lineup and kind of thing. But anyway, so interesting stuff from from uh, Lee. There. I do think he had a good point about people being able to successfully transition out of it because I think that's still kind of a rarity. I mean, people have done it. Obviously, Arnold's done it. I mean, Dorian's done it to a pretty high degree, um, but they tend to be more the outliers, I'd say, and, and not necessarily the norm. Yeah. So they don't walk away with like permanent kidney damage and all kinds of, uh, you know, heart damage. Yeah, just look at how many people have unfortunately just passed away at a pretty young age too you know whether it's related or not related at some point you can't help but but help but think that it's it's got to be related somehow so yeah well, i mean when you're in your 40s and you're having multiple heart attacks you know like yeah or you know uh phil i know you've talked about this in the past too that, that's a similar mentality with some of the I hate to say Instagram generation powerlifters, but they rather burn out than fade away, yeah. I think. Oh, hugely, yes. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with just social media. They are on under pressure like every day to post a video of them doing something crazy. <laughs> oh, and and, and better. Do that. Yeah. You know, instead of peaking for a meet a couple times a year, you're peaking for training every day. You know, like, I got to put up something for the fans. No, no you really don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so, 
it's okay. So, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I had a funny thought related to that the other day. Like, can you imagine like Ed Cohn putting stuff on Instagram back in the day? Yeah. Like, here's another day me doing almost the same thing I've done for like uh, yeah. 10, 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In terms of his training, obviously yeah. he destroyed everyone on the platform. But if you watch this <laughs> training, I imagine people nowadays would be like. That guy's so boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they were about their own performance and careers, and any type of media coverage was not the point. That was a secondary yeah. thing. People watching them do what they do. Now the media, self-produced media, is the point. Yep. And, you know, eh, I don't know. That loses some of that sort of hardcore blue-collar thing that always attracted me to uh, to some of this stuff. But. And your risk reward just gets really skewed, like Phil was saying. You know, you're, oof, that's probably why longevity isn't going to be super high when you're trying to do something to impress a bunch of people you don't know. Yeah, isn't it funny? It's like one of those things we should probably do an episode on, things we wish we knew. We probably have done that before, but one of them is kind of what Lee is saying is what, what you're saying, Mike, about transitioning back. I mean, a lot of the guys that I idolized, they're still alive. You know, they're still lifting in their Mm -hmm. 80s and stuff like that and and functional. And they got away with it in a sense because they didn't abuse. I mean, I know that's a subjective word, but abuse anabolics to such an extreme degree and that kind of stuff. I mean, dabbling around with some DECA or, you know, using something um, 12 weeks preseason to get ready for a competition and then going cycling off it. And I, I know people have different opinions on this stuff, but. Clearly, some level of moderation uh, before things escalated so badly, it led to that ability of these guys to actually age more gracefully, you know, instead of being, yeah, dead (laughs) before they're 45. (laughs) Um, It's just a tough, it's just a tough scenario. Um, And I don't know, to be fair to the young guys, when you're young and hungry, you want to be brutal. You want to be huge. You want to do everything that's at your disposal, you know. Uh, and it's it's longevity pro- usually isn't the top thing on your radar then either. No, it's yeah. it's seductive, right, to become this superhero and have all this adulation. I mean, it's oh, yeah, it's easy to fall in love. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to talk about must-see locations, if you will, or events in 2021. Hopefully, seeing things slowly start to normalize, but. If not, you know, done safely, of course, but we'll be back in just a bit. I can't stop feeling. Some of us don't understand how lucky we are to be living in this Hi, listeners. This is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rating in your thoughts. Over the past several years, there have been hundreds of listener comments hoping that Iron Radio stays on the air for years to come. Iron Radio is here for you. But as with any public radio-type format, the show is listener-supported. That's where you come in. For just $4 a month, you become a supporting member, keeping your weekly dose of education, experts, and gym talk flowing. Just go to www.ironradio.org and click on the $4 monthly subscribe button near the bottom of the page. Or... Click the donate button at the right of the page for a one-time donation. You are the Iron 
brotherhood, and sisterhood. Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor between now and January, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. For this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Okay, listeners, after more than a decade of joining us on the podcast airwaves, you can now also become viewers on YouTube. This is not our usual simple backup of the audio show, but rather a growing body of video taste tests covering various foods of interest to nutrition enthusiasts, bodybuilders, and powerlifters. From within YouTube, simply search for Iron Radio Taste Test or Nutrition Radio Taste Test. In about 15 minutes, we cover taste and texture similar to other products, uh, usefulness to the co-hosts, and whether we would recommend the product to certain clients. You may even want to watch our podcast feed or Facebook group for which products are coming down the pike so you can taste test them with us. Join us for this new monthly project. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes... We are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everyone, we're back. It's Phil and Mike and Lonnie uh, heading into 2021. So happy new year, everybody. First show of the new year. Um, we thought we would talk about must-see things in 2021. So these could be events or locations. I know this is sort of premature. We could be looking months down the road. We know a lot of events are delayed and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, these would be things that would sort of increase your awareness or educate you about the landscape Right of all things Iron Radio interested, like you know, uh, muscle mass, strength, uh, maybe sports nutrition, the desire for knowledge, right, to help improve you physically, all that kind of stuff. Um, Phil, let's let's just start with you. What do you think about you know informational things or or inspirational things that people could see uh, in the coming year? 
if, if it if and when it happens, I still think anybody should go see the Arnold. I mean, it's yeah. just such a spectacle. Um, like coming from somebody that started out with my big event that I first ever big event I ever went to was the Olympia, and then transitioning then to the Arnold and just what it is comparatively. If you're into anything fitness, it's there. Uh, so I mean, yeah, literally anything, freaking pole dancing to cheerleading to you know strongman to. I mean, it's it's all under one roof. I know it's already been delayed from what I th- what I hear. Um, I think they're talking May now. But um, I saw that, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, if, if that happens, it's worth go see it. I mean, and not even just for the expo. I mean, the expo's neat, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's not. I I'll be honest with you. I spend as little time in the expo as I possibly can. So. Um, just walk around there and see the people walking around. I mean, you'll see Arnold walking around. You'll see, you know, tons of people just just walking around the audience. So yeah, pros from the past and the present. Yeah, yeah. yeah just oddly enough, you'll run into you know, you'll just walk past. Oh my God, that's so and so. So go and stop in the powerlifting, stop in the weightlifting, stop in the jujitsu, stop in the you know, see all this stuff. These people that have trained all year long for this. So there's tons to see under one roof. So yeah, it you know the the most fascinating thing for me because that would be on my list too. Of course, is the the refocusing uh, not completely, of course, but to amateur stuff. You know, like there yeah. is an enormous amount of amateur um, bodybuilding, powerlifting, almost anything you can think of. There, so broad. Uh, whereas when I first went to the Arnold Classic, it was just called the Arnold Classic. It was it was just the bodybuilding show, like back in the days of Sean Ray and Rich Gasperi competing and everything. And um, the expo was just a couple of booths, you know, in the lower levels of the Veterans Auditorium there in Columbus. And God, just so radically different. And look at the growth that it has brought, right? When you start to include, um, you know, involvement of the amateurs and stuff like that. It's definitely an event if people haven't gone to it. I agree, Phil. It's definitely worth seeing. I mean, just the amount of different athletes there. If you here's a tip: if you go to the expo, don't go it on Saturday. <laughs> it's so impossible, so nutty. I remember three years ago, I had to do a presentation. I was there for the NSCA, and I was on the other side of the expo, and I had to get to the other end of the expo hall, and I gave myself. 20 minutes to try to get through on a Saturday and I barely made it. <laughs> and I'm yes. like trying to run through people. It's just shoulder to shoulder. But yeah, it's definitely worth worth seeing even if you get there. My advice is get there early. You know, sometimes there's even seminars the day before the official thing starts. I went to one was it two years ago with uh, John Meadows, Scott Stevens and uh, Serrano. That was super fun. I think it was like Thursday the day before or something. So some other seminars, things like that, and yeah, probably stay out of the expo on on Saturday. <laughs> right now, Mike, in your experience, cause I think I gave a, a talk um, down there. I think it was for the Strength Pro, or uh, I forget. Yeah, they used to do a lot of stuff. yeah, like years ago, and similar thing. But from your experience, can lay public attend these all these seminars in these side rooms and different buildings and stuff, or? Uh, yeah, that's what's crazy is like pretty much anyone can go. And a lot of times, like the one with John, I, I love those guys, but it was like dirt cheap. I want to say it was like less than 100 bucks or 130 bucks or something, you know, for like a, a good, you know, eight hour seminar. It was great. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of times it's 
they don't do a lot of publication of them because a lot of times it's in smaller rooms and I'm sure they've got to pay a fair amount for, you know, cover the room, the rent and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, if you're on their mailing list or if you know about it, then I think it's probably going to be more and more because people are probably going to want to go to live events, assuming, you know, all of that happens. And then also like, you know, we do podcasts and it's a good way to meet a lot of people you haven't seen in a while. And like two years ago we were there and Saturday just we left and just did a podcast with Ben Pakulski and <laughs> hung out with them all day away from the expo because it was so crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do other media stuff, it's, you know, a great way to meet people because they're all going to be usually in the same area too. It's just trying to coordinate schedules gets kind of crazy. But yeah, yeah, it's and just to see the amount of people that show up for it. Like the first time I went to me, that was like impressive especially you kind of live in your own little world you're like i don't know if really that many people are into it and you see like thousands of people everywhere that are into it at some level uh that was actually kind of inspirational i'm like oh it is there's still hope for fitness (laughs) you know it is you're right because i mean if you're really into let's face it still very niche sports like strength and, and bodybuilding bringing thousands tens of thousands of people together all at once into a community you realize it's a secondary community it might not be all local and you never see these guys maybe once every couple of months you'll see somebody who's truly huge you know walking around a town or something in a grocery store but yeah to have them all drawn in one place at at the same time is it can be sort of i don't know yeah inspirational i guess or just mind numbing (laughs) that there's so much out there i do i do think though that with coronavirus and everything, um, the Lorimer and those guys, the, all the people who put together that event, they're probably very spoiled about just the sheer amount of profit they can make by jamming stupid oh, yeah. numbers of people, sho- literally shoulder to shoulder in a room that big. Um, and that can't happen in 2021. You know, we're not going to see that. I mean, I can't imagine uh, the super spreader kind of event from that, right? Where you're literally sure. on top of, I don't know, tens of thousands of other people uh, in the expo, I mean, you know, so. Yeah, it's my little indicator is still big, big concerts. When they figure that out, then the rest of the stuff is probably somewhat back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. It's going to be a slow uh, progression, I imagine. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I think we probably all would include that in our top five, if not top three, as far as the Arnold thing. Um, Phil, what else do you have? Um, physical locations or events or – yeah, physical no, locations. It's so probably novel, but I don't even know if that's the right word. But it's just nobody else is doing it. Um, I'd say Mark Bell Super Training Gym. Just because it's the only large gym like that that I know of that is uh, just 100% free. It's free. Like, um, you're supposed to put up the hours, you come, you sign a sheet, and you go train. Amazing. So, yeah. Um, you know, the, the powerlifting team will be there training and whatnot. Mark might be back there. Just whoever's there is there. Um, there's certain hours, and you can just come train. And it's a really nice facility. Um, like, top end nice. So, I mean, because Mark's done the bodybuilding thing. So for that, when he was training for the bodybuilding show, he bought a bunch of freaking equipment just for that. And then he has the powerlifting stuff. And then he has the, you know, sleds and prowlers and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a, it's a large space. And 
yeah, you come in, sign a sheet. It's pretty much to, like sign your life away. Where if you kill <laughs> yourself, you're fine. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that would be one. Um, and just Mark's Mark, man. He's a personality, and yeah, like him or don't like him, you should meet him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, so I mean, for the I, listeners, where are they located, Phil? Sacramento. From Sacramento, California, and if you just look it up, it's right there. Address is on there. It's like Super Training or Slingshot World Headquarters, Super Training Gym, and uh, you know they've got the front room. They've got a room with the this Slingshot store, and then behind there is the gym. And you can kind of go in there, and you'll see his whole team working in different rooms on different stuff. And everybody, from what I've seen, is always uh, very cordial and nice, and ready to meet you. And and you can just go train. So I've trained there numerous times and had people just wander in. Like, oh, you guys are back there training. You know, when I'd be training with the powerlifting team and whatnot, and people just watch, do their own thing. Right. So, now, do people, cool. do they ever just show up to be spectators, or do they all have enough self-respect to actually try to train? Most of them will try and do something. <laughs> 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 you'll, see, you'll see some people that are just, you can tell they're there just to watch, and they kind of pick up a dumbbell and do some curls and just watch what's going on. Um, but no, I think most people come and train. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the level that they're capable, but I think a lot of them are just there for inspiration. Yeah, so, yeah, so, which is nothing wrong with them. Yeah, the um, the fact that it's free is so radically different from anything I've ever experienced. I remember being at Venice Beach and they wanted like twenty five bucks for me to train once, you know, yeah. out at Gold's there, yeah. you know, and I'm like, well. Okay, because for the same reasons that you did, like I'm literally yeah. on a machine next to pro bodybuilders that I recognize from the magazine. I was like walking among the deities, you know. <laughs> and, and it really, uh, to your point, it depends on who's coming and going and and that yeah. kind of stuff. We'd go down the street and eat at the Firehouse Cafe, and there's Gary Strida eating a whole freaking turkey and a you know bucket of vegetables, <laughs> you know stuff like that. It was it, it was it was the experience. That was like the guy who I was up there with at the time. I drove up from when I was in San Diego, and he's like, "This is ground zero, baby." You know, um, yeah. and it's true. But you also get some of the raw aspects of it too. I came from Minnesota. I think it was in the winter, and it was ungodly hot and humid in there, and Oh, I felt like I was just dying from the <laughs> from the heat, but it was yeah. super cool to see. You know, it's definitely one of those places. I think if people haven't been there, it's it's definitely worth worth going to see just from the history alone. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, to do something similar on the powerlifting side and it, there's no cost. You know, kudos to Mark and those guys. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, um, Mike, what about you? As far as a number two. Um, must see event or location um, I would say I have a couple ones in terms of gyms like I went to Iceland last year and there's a place there called world class fitness and it's supposedly the biggest gym in Europe and by having lifted there I would say it's probably true <laughs> the amount of just treadmills they have is crazy and then they've got a whole outdoor area for crossfit they had an outdoor area for strongman they had just different sections of the gym they had i don't know how many power racks just in one section with a row of dumbbells and they had more equipment in the middle then they had a whole another row of dumbbells in another area and then a whole separate crossfit area and then a couple of their studios and a downstairs and yeah i spent like just two hours in there just 
kind of training and wandering around from <laughs> one machine to the next. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you get the chance to go there, it's definitely worth worth seeing. Um, another one too that I was lucky to teach one of the carry courses there was in Helsingborg, Sweden. It was F and F Athletic Center. So shout out to Tobias who runs it. Super cool place. It's this mix of they had tons of rowers, they had tons of open turf space for training athletes. They had a whole CrossFit section, and then they've got a lot of super old school, unique um, bodybuilding type equipment too, uh, like stuff you probably haven't seen in a lot of other places. Um, they've got even a full staff there. They've got cryo. I think they've got uh, at least a Cairo on site, and just awesome dude who runs it. Super great place. Everyone was super nice, and it's probably one of those places you may not have heard of, um, but if you're into any type of strongman or bodybuilding or anything, I'd definitely recommend to check it out if you're in the area. Sweet. Yeah, gym-wise, I always liked the hole-in-the-wall kind of gyms, you know, that were grungier, like oh, those definitely. those gems that you can find, and sometimes just surfing around the web and finding people who you uh, admire at a national or pro level and just see where they train, and then you just go show up. You know, you yeah, sometimes you, you'll hit a dud that way. Uh, but sometimes really not. Um, I, as far as a gym location, you know, I'm always going to be a fan of Strong and Shapely Gym there in Jersey and what they do there. They've had all kinds of media coverage over the years and, and you know, that kind of stuff. Bob Bonham's a cool guy, you know, stuff like that. But um, actually, number two on my list uh, would be if you want to go see a bodybuilding event that is this sort of national qualifier na- – almost national level kind of thing. There are some bigger events that I've been exposed to over the years that are still going on. Um, like I, the, the Midwest NPC is a giant show. Um, I've competed in that one myself. It's still going on. It's, you can find it. I just, you know, Google NPC Midwest bodybuilding and you'll be able to find this, but you know, hundreds and hundreds of people in a crowd, probably over a thousand people. And again, once things are safe. I don't know how they're going to do a lot of this stuff. I think it's personally, I think it's stupid to put a thousand people in a room together um, at the current time. But, um, you know, you'll get a good taste for uh, higher end uh, bodybuilding stuff at the amateur level. Um, They're still doing the Northern uh, Mr. Midwest USA uh, or NPC up in Fargo. Uh, the northern or upper Midwest. That one's pretty cool. Um, if you go to Bev Francis's gym, uh, obviously a former real high-end professional IFBB pro female bodybuilder, but Bev Francis's gym has a nice list of sort of the, you know, Northeast and Atlantic shows that go on. Uh, going to one of the larger events, as long as you're willing to sit through class after class after class of different weights and heights and <laughs> You know, slight nuances in whether it's, you know, wellness versus uh, physique kind of thing or, or whatever it might be. Uh, maybe you just kind of keep a tab on things and say, listen, I'd like to go start watching. If you're just interested in the bodybuilding stuff, maybe you wait for the middle, middle weights or, or heavier. Or maybe you like the lightweights. Maybe you're scoping out the competition, you know, for the next year. I've always thought that was a fun way to go to a bodybuilding show is for inspiration. And then you get an idea like, I think I could take that guy or, oh, my God, those guys are out of my class or, 
you know, whatever it might be, out of my league, if you will. So there are some big ones. John Lindsay does good stuff. Um, a lot of like bodybuilding stuff, like in San Diego, Southern California. I think those are still going on. So yeah, seeing a high end amateur bodybuilding show can light your fire a little bit too. Uh, I would think so. Those are just some suggestions, I guess. Yeah. Um, what else, Phil? Do you have a third? God, I mean, the tough one is it's kind of like you were alluding to. It would be a meet. It would be something like record breakers or something like that. Um, record breakers was always my favorite because it was the it was a two day mixture of like the best in the world and regular ass people. Yeah. So I mean, it was great for for people that. We're just starting out, and like you could share the platform with frickin' Dan Bell. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're just your first meet ever, but it's so hard right now because we don't know what's going to happen. I know. Yeah. So it's like I had a hell of a time even finding a meet. So I'm signed up for a meet in March, and it was you know I've been looking for one since normally I do one in November. So <laughs> um, I can't even tell you one right now. I mean, it would be an event, some event like that, uh, where you get a nice mix, but I can't even point you point you to one right now until things just level out. Not with so. a date, I know. The, yeah, um, I just can't give a date. The Arnold Amateur yeah. Bodybuilding stuff I was just looking at recently, and originally it was like March 4th or something like that, and it basically just says to be announced, like delayed yes. TBA, mm-hmm. and you're like, how if, – if you're planning your comp- competitive schedule for the next year, how do you do that with a – you know yeah. a 20 week diet ahead of you (laughs) and you don't know what your deadline is you need a date to to count down to Mm -hmm. i don't know so yeah that's the tough part but you know yeah some big event you can guys can all come see me lift march 13th it'll be amazing um there it is yeah so texas texas in texas the texas powerlifting state championship march 13th in i don't even know where it's at outside of san antonio so. Okay. Well, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I always like the central, the central stuff. The, the reason I brought up the Midwest stuff mostly is because whether you're East Coast or you're more West, it's in the middle. You know, you yeah. can yep. road trip it if you had to. Uh, it'd this be, be road my trip. first ever equipped meet, so I'm going single play. So, should be interesting. Yes, it should. Wow. <laughs> I, got my, I got my third session in the bench shirt. I just hate it. I hate it. But this guy, like, oh, God, it sucks. It's bad. But uh, the suit, I'm fine with. It feels great. But the shirt just sucks. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I got a lot to learn in that. But Right on. Uh, so, Mike, what about you? Um, I would say as uh, events, I know you're going to probably say this too, Lonnie, the ISSN event, if it still happens. So International Society of Sports Nutrition down in Florida in June again. Um, I didn't go this past September, but hopefully it still still happens. We'll kind of have to wait and see. I know they've got a webinar coming up in February or March also. And then, you know, caveat, if it happens too, the uh, CrossFit Games, although... I know they've changed the format. They have a new CEO, and they added some quarterfinals and some other stuff now. But we've gone to that a couple times in the past in Madison, Wisconsin, and that's always been super fun. Uh, We didn't pay for the tickets to see the fancy Coliseum stuff inside, but, yeah, just watching all the other competitors and being outside. And, yeah, it was a very well-run event. A bunch of people we knew usually show up there, and so I'd say that might be one to add to the list also. 
All right. Yeah. You're, you're right. I would also say the ISSN. I think if you're if you like the nutrition side and supplements and whatnot, you're going to see some world famous researchers, but you're also going to see a ton of jacked and ripped <laughs> bodybuilders and fitness enthusiasts and that kind of stuff. It's got a real resistance training flavor uh, to it. It looks like it's June 17th to 19th this year. Um, let's see. St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm just looking at it right now. So 18th my, my annual. Favorite, my favorite memory from ISSN was freaking Darren Wilby, the most jacked <laughs> professional I've ever seen in my life. That dude is freaking huge. Oh, <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> like pro level, huge and jacked. <laughs> yeah. Up there with his PhD, just spewing knowledge and just jacked. Right. So talking biochemistry. Yeah. Yep. It's funny. So. No, but yeah, I agree. That's a good one too. Well, that and again, yeah, even these events. Um, that's the only one that I know of, even on the geek side, that hasn't gone virtual or been delayed a year or something like that. We were talking about this a few yeah. weeks ago, but. And I don't know where that's even headed. We're just going to have to pan out, even with vaccines. And I'm actually hoping to be in the second wave here in Ohio. Teachers are going to get them. But even with that, I'm not, you know, I'm not so naive as to think that everybody's just going to pile into, uh, you know, stadiums then and, and that kind of stuff. You know, uh, there's there's going to be a slow transition, I think, back to something more like normal. But um yeah, the ISSN one is the one I really got my eye on. I would like to actually, even though I had to road trip it, just drive down there with a uh, a handful of students and, and present some coffee research and stuff. Um, just because it's not virtual, I did the virtual thing this past year, and on, although it was it was a high quality event with some really notable people speaking, I'm just a little bit less enthusiastic when there's no expo at all, you know, and there's and you don't get to sit in a room and learn from someone and see them. And that kind of stuff. To me, it's a little less of a draw. Uh, so I'm really hoping the ISSN one sticks around. Definitely worthwhile uh, for listeners. So, And plus, you just get all the side conversations in between the talks and in the evening. And you get to see, you know, if you've been around, you get to see tons of people you probably don't see any other time in the year. And if you're new to it, you get to meet a lot of people. You've probably read their research and at least know who they are. Oh, yeah. You're right. Walk around the posters, you know, hundreds of posters yeah. and um, uh, socials where people, you know, there's free grub and, or, you know, or open bar kind of thing. And that kind of stuff can be really worth it just in itself. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I guess we'll see. These gyms are in place, right? Some of these events, I mean, Phil's got one. So these events are in place. As far as I could tell, those the bigger bodybuilding ones, they're still a go. Um whether you agree with that or not, you know, send us an email and we can we can talk about it, I guess. But they're going to have to be modified in some way, that's for sure. So, anyway. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this week. So, thanks, guys. Until next week. See you. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. 
Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.